We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly chess interview show with accomplished chess players, authors, personalities, and adult improvers where they discuss their lives, their careers, and share tips about how to improve at chess. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We have a return guest this week. He has 25 years of age, a YouTube creator, a commentator, Twitch streamer, teacher. He was last on this show, episode 180, which we recorded on May 27th of last year, a bit more than a year ago. And man, has our guest, Levy Rosman's life changed. Last year <laughs> at this time, Levy had less than 2,000, excuse me, 10,000 YouTube subs. And as we discussed in that interview, he was doing a lot of other work aside from his content creation, his streaming, and his commentary, although he was already building a loyal audience. Now, as we record today, he has something like 1.6 million YouTube subs. This oh, is six. Oh, six. 1.06. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Well, you'll get there, but yeah, 1.06. This explosive growth puts him right at the top of the most popular chess YouTubers in the world. As of yesterday, Agatmater had 1.13 million and Hikaru 1.03 million. Shout out to those two as well. But by the time this interview comes out, 
It seems likely that Levy will be the most popular chess YouTuber in the world. Either way, it's been quite a year for him. So rejoining us to reflect on his past year, his future, and yes, his recent return to competitive chess. I am Levy Rosman, Gotham Chess. Thank you for coming back, Levy. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I feel like you're... You're right up there with Bruce Buffer in terms of introductions. Like that, that was, uh, I'm hyped. I like, I want to go fight somebody. <laughs> like, I, I want to, you know, fist bump you and like, let's, let's get it on. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been crazy. But, but in fairness, I reached, I, I, I reached out to you. I wanted to talk because you have the best, uh, best, best chess podcast there is. So, it's been a crazy year, so I wanted to catch Thanks, up. Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate that, Levy. I'm glad you don't forget the little people. Um, obviously, I'm I'm happy with my station in life, but but the the following you've built has just been simply insane. And I, I want to talk about that. I mean, I can't imagine what your daily life has been like over the past year, but I think uh, we should be true to our brand, Levy, and start with the chess. So um, as we do this, you you just got back from Vegas about a week ago. You were mm -hmm. playing in this big tournament called the National Open. You did um, videos that got uh, huge numbers, as we'll talk about. But first, just tell me, Levy, like, how do you reflect on on that experience? On Vegas, um, yeah, it's it's really hard, man. Uh, it's really hard. I my entire chess career, uh, if if one can call it that, I. I loved winning and I, and I, and I loved learning new openings and, and putting them to the test. Uh, but I, I talked about this a lot on stream. I never thought that I would be even an international master. To me, that was the ultimate goal. I just thought grandmaster was this astronomical goal that I would never, I would never even get close to because career, college, whatever. I didn't know that I would necessarily be a chess creator. Uh, and when I hit the international master title, it was a massive adrenaline dump for me. And th that's how I describe it. Because over the next four tournaments, I lost maybe 50 rating points on K10. So for people that don't know, when you cross 2400, you hit the, your rating change factor goes down. So it's harder to gain and lose. And for me, it was definitely not that hard to lose. I just lost a ton of my rating. And I kind of said, okay, well, this is done. I'm not going to ever make this back. So uh, I, I never really tried because I just taught chess because that paid well because playing chess doesn't pay well at all. And uh, I taught chess and I thought maybe I would even have a career in finance or consulting, but coming back was interesting. And I think it was, it was obviously a completely different experience in the context of people coming up to me and introducing themselves and telling me they watch my content and, and all this kind of new element of having a permanent DGT board. <laughs> they just stationed me there on a board and, and I, and I actually told them not to, that was the interesting thing. I did not request a permanent broadcasted board. Uh, but they actually had to convince me. They said it's good for publicity and everything. So it's a, a lot of mixed emotions. As far as the competitive chess aspect of it, uh, it's really hard. It's really hard to prep openings against people who have taken a year and a half off of the game, especially if they're young and they're underrated. And as you saw from my tweet, I had bloodshot eyes every night. I was so tired. I lost like three, four pounds over the course of the tournament. So Mixed emotions for sure, but hey, I'm, I'm I'm doing it again, doing it again, like a month. So I think I got I got the itch. <laughs> yeah, and for listeners, again, you should check out our first interview. I'm sure you could dig through Levy's reams of content and find some background info as well. But Levy talked about his pursuit of the IM title in our prior interview last year, and he said he said in that interview, I the verbatim, I quote, "I hate classical chess," and yep. it didn't sound like a pursuit of the GM title was was imminent, but then 
you know, it seems, sounds like you had a positive experience like Beatlemania there in, in Vegas. And uh, shout out to the organizers for, for giving you a platform. I do think it's a good idea on, on their part. Now, Levy, you mentioned you're playing again in a month. So where are you going? Uh, I will leak that when it's closer to the date. So I actually okay. have, just for concerns of just crowd control and everything, I even reached out to where I'll be playing and well, I'll probably just DM it to you in about a minute, but uh, or, or a minute after we finish talking. But uh, I, I it, it's hard because I I don't know what it's going to be like. At least Las Vegas was spaced out. It was a bit more of the casino feel. It was a big tournament. There was and I could basically go to the playing hall, talk to some people on the way back to the elevator, and just hang out in my room. But the, you know where where I'll play if it's a small enclosed setting. There's nowhere to go really. So you gotta. You, you, this is just the stuff I have to think about now. Uh, yeah. So I, I never, I never take it for granted. I, I don't think it's it's a bad thing, but it, these are just sort of, sort of the concerns. I think there is a, a really nice element to the fact that the games are broadcast, that people are following along, and then they get to hear not just the moves and the analysis, but my emotion afterward, which there's a lot of over the course of four or five hour games. And I still hate classical chess, but I really like to gain rating. <laughs> and this is the trade off, sadly. Yeah, and we should say Levy had a pretty good showing. You beat uh, Young Phenom, Christopher Yu, um, only lost to Grandmasters. And I think a lot of people listening or watching, listening to or watching this will have seen your recap videos, being that they got like 400,000 views uh, per recap. But anyone listening who hasn't, I definitely recommend you you check it out. You, you get the whole, full spectrum of the emotion of a classical chess tournament. And you know, as you refer to with the bloodshot eyes and, and the exhaustion, you know, seeing you on Twitter and then I caught up with your videos later, if you hadn't tweeted out, like, I'm going to begin training again um, and continue to play, I wouldn't have guessed it just based on, like, reading the emotions of the tournament. Yeah, people were definitely pretty right, uh, pretty correct in saying that you'll take a little bit of time and reflect. And uh, I definitely... Like you said, the support of the community, they were the best performing videos I've put out probably ever. There was obviously this this cheater and charity thing, and that got a lot of attention. But all of those recaps. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was the the, the charity with um that that Anand did the charity event. The oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, that, that's what I yeah. Yeah. So like that was oh, chess drama. That got a lot of views, but then these recaps just absolutely obliterated all of my previous records and it was kind of depressing coming back here and launching videos into a hurricane because i knew they were not going to perform as well and on youtube you get this performance indicator and if you're not performing as well as the other 10 it gives you this big fat gray arrow that you're below average and uh anytime you have a video that's number one or number two out of ten in terms of view count in, in a certain time frame, it'll give you fireworks or this big green arrow and it's this dopamine effect. So uh, I've been firing videos off that are not performing anywhere near as well. And I kind of want those Vegas videos to get pushed out of my most recent 10 so that I can I can finally feel normal about my view count. But I have to say, uh, I was averaging about 1.2, 1.3 million over 48 hours and Vegas got up to 2.3. So just a million more views in 48 hours, which is nuts. It's crazy yeah. how invested people were, and I appreciate it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's awesome to see. And again, I find the videos quite compelling. I've been a fan of that format for a while, but dating back to when I am Kostya Kavutsky used to do them in tournaments. I've talked with John Bartholomew. I think it's um, 
it's very compelling uh, because you you feel the emotion. But nonetheless, the numbers are just like off the charts to me, just because. Yeah, I mean, you're a super strong player, even though you're you're modest. So you can't go over. I mean, you do a good job explaining sort of more advanced concepts to a wider audience. But still, like when you're playing a grandmaster, that's advanced stuff. So I don't know if there are 400,000 tournament chess players in the world, you know, and there there everyone is tuning in. Um, but I don't want to step on my first Patreon question. So before we dig deeper into Vegas, I just want to hop right into it um, because mm -hmm. uh, one of your many fans who was um, sort of uh, really impressed with these videos wrote in. So for, for listeners who aren't familiar, uh, supporters of Perpetual Chess find out the guests in advance and are able to submit questions from them for them. Excuse me. Uh, so this one is from Derek Jones. Thanks for the support, Derek. And Derek says... Uh, your tournament recaps have been amazingly entertaining, but your mid-tournament recaps of your own games from the National Open were the most compelling chess content I've ever seen. Watching you reveal what you were thinking during the games made it feel like I was right there with you. The best part was how human it felt. It wasn't just a regurgitation of engine analysis. Since this is supposed to be a question, I'll ask you this. Was it difficult being so vulnerable after your game performances while you were still in the middle of the tournament? Did publicly airing your mistakes and thinking errors for the games you lost make it harder to get into a competitive frame of mind for your next games? Uh, so I did. I did see this question. You did. Uh, you did. You did show it to me. I, I try not to prepare answers too much. I like to get it kind of fresh. Uh, so I appreciate the question. Thank you for supporting Ben. You definitely should. Uh, and. Uh, so first of all, no, I, as much as I have a Twitch persona and I trash talk and I say things that if you just read it, you're like, wow, this guy is, I mean, he is so full of himself. No, I, I actually, I, I get humbled very often in, in competitive settings and I, I have really no problem talking about it. I, I like, I have no problem talking about many other things that might <laughs> people might feel insecure about or people think that you you shouldn't discuss this you should kind of do I, I like to I like to like mental health issues and, and and things of that nature so no uh I enjoyed uh telling people my best moments and my my worst moments and the emotions that I felt during the game doubt or 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 whatever it might be I mean, there's a whole wide range of emotions during a chess game so no uh I I enjoyed it a lot and just like you know, this viewer question, people found it some, to be some of the most compelling chess content they've ever watched because they actually care about the person who's playing the game. The, the super grandmasters, they also might care about, but because they've maybe watched so many hours of content and I've kind of been the, the mentor along their chess journey, they, 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 they're rooting for me in a your favorite basketball player or your favorite tennis player sort of way or football player, uh, soccer football, but also fine, American football. I'm sure we have people who... Uh, who prefer the NFL. So uh, I, now, now the competitive frame of mind is interesting. So I, th for the first time in my life, I'm actually going to seriously consider, and I'm probably going to talk to a sports psychologist just to see what that's like. I, I've heard that a lot. I've heard different athletes do it. I definitely need it because I, I, I'm not myself when I play stronger opposition and I'm not really afraid to admit that. Uh, and, and some, some games, it goes away. Some games I like against Chris, you, except for that one idiotic blunder. When I got really excited, I thought I had a winning combination. I almost played the game of my life because I was just really firing in all cylinders. However, I was still playing moves really slowly. 
So I was playing all the best moves, but I was really doubtful that they were the best moves. But then you come home and, you know, your Stockfish 13 is like, yeah, yeah, best move. Go, go, go. Play it, play it, play it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I haven't evolved to a to a, to a level of, of, I think, mature enough uh, state of mind or competitive framework that is necessary to probably excel at the highest level. I would not be surprised if some of the super GMs in the world have just it's just a mindset thing or some of the best best athletes in the world it's just a mindset thing because I'm not an athlete I'm just, I'm not I've never as much as I want to say that or you can argue that becoming an international master you have to train like an athlete no you just need some good opening prep that's it like <laughs> I gained 150 points on good opening prep and 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 good dynamic uh skill set and instinct so but to get to GM I think uh, for myself personally that that is one step that I will definitely need to take uh but yeah, as far as recapping my games and everything, it's it's a it's a pleasure, it's an honor to do it for people, and uh, people love it. So I'm gonna keep doing it. That's that's awesome. That's I can't wait to see how this sort of story unfolds because I have a feeling it might get even bigger. I mean, your channel's consistently growing. Um, you you know, uh, people are gonna tell their friends about it, and you know, I shared it with a friend, chess chess fan friend who hadn't watched it and was just like, "Wow, that's so compelling," um, and you know, not to, not to blow smoke up your ass or whatever, but that, that's just what he said. And that's sort of how I felt. And again, I feel that way about other game recaps as well. I saw Eric Rosen post your buddy, Eric Rosen mm-hmm. posted one yesterday, friend of the pod as well. And I need to catch up on, on his. Um, so there's also the energy management question, Levy. I mean, you, you mentioned again, seeing a sports psychologist and I know you, you battled some time trouble demons, uh, for listeners who don't know time trouble basically means you get a set amount of time in a given game. And, uh, if you think too much, you suddenly have to play very fast. Now Levy's good at playing fast, but, uh, if you're playing a, you know, you can't outplay a grandmaster with one minute, um, and they have an hour unless possibly you're Alexander Grishuk. Um, so, was it hard to do the videos in terms of like you could be prepping for your opponent? You know, there's an opportunity cost there in terms of possibly your performance and like you could be resting. But obviously with the views, I mean, it's it's kind of comes with the territory. But was it was it hard to make the time to do them? No, not at all. So uh, Vegas was well spaced out. It was a good time control. It's very important. Uh, also, it's American chess. So pairings come out 40 minutes before your next round. Uh, and I, I don't want to knock on the Vegas organizers. They by far have a, probably a top five open tournament that's 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 run in the United States. As long as it's not a super closed event, those are obviously going to be a little bit better. But uh, I'm just going to say this right now, um, and this is not to deter anybody from playing in chess tournaments. By all means, do go ahead and play in chess tournaments. You will have a good time. American chess tournaments are garbage compared to Europe and other parts of the world. Uh, they are especially in the open section. So they are two games a day, which is absolutely brutal. And everybody complains about that. Uh, many of them, particularly, let's just not name names, but um, you, some of them you have to bring your own chess set. Yeah, It is, it is unheard of. And, and that is not elitism. It is, just, it is unheard of in any other part of the world that a title player needs to bring a board in pieces and set it up. Like, why is that not there? I played in the Czech Open in Pardubica in a hockey arena, Okay. And they had 100 DGT boards. And for people who don't know what those are, those are expensive broadcast boards on which games are played and relayed to the internet. They had 100 live games and many more chess sets. Everything was provided from the highest section to the lowest section. An unrated beginner could show up and play. 
And that obviously has to do with sponsors, local funding, the local you know, municipal, municipality helps the tournament. States just don't have that. And that's unfortunately what, what it's like. So uh, in Europe, I would get my next opponent. And there's also one game every day. So you can maximize your sleep, living experience. Uh, I would get my pairing and have 18 hours, which is also not great, by the way, because you ruminate about what you want to play for 18 hours. But uh, yeah, in, in, in these tournaments, I know that I'm going to get my next opponent with 40 minutes before the round. So what am I going to prepare? I mean, am I going to refute their opening repertoire? No, I have to choose what I'm going to play. I have to review some lines and that's it. So no, I had plenty of time. I, I usually would come back to the room, rest, make my recap, uh, order some gross delivery because the food <laughs> options were terrible, which is another problem of tournaments here. There are usually not a lot of food options around uh, and power nap or lay in bed and look at basketball news for like 90 minutes. Uh, so no, I, I don't think, and I would, I would never trade it at the end of the day. I think by profession, I'm now a content creator. So how can I not make content? Right. So uh, yeah, I think that's the best answer I can give you. Nice. It should, should be interesting to track going forward. Now let's, let's dig a little bit more into your chess game, Levy. So you mentioned the grandmaster title, uh, mm -hmm. in the, in the past, you've, you've kind of like in our previous interview, you said you felt lucky to get IM, which again, given your, your blitz ratings and, you know, your, your ability to calculate and stuff, I think you're selling, you know, you're being modest or falsely modest there, <laughs> but, but GM title, obviously that's, that's a, a whole different animal. So are, are you going to pursue that title or is it more just sort of, you're going to train and you're going to play and you'll see what happens? Very tough to say. So I wanted to take it a tournament at a time and just generally get better. I wanted to actually get to a point where I can, uh, I don't have to use those last 40 minutes before a game to prep. I can just review my opponent's openings and go, okay, well, this is what's in my arsenal. And uh, this is what I'm going to trot out. Because the way it is now, it's kind of a mad dash. What do I play? What do I play? I know a little bit about everything, but I just want to be confident and have the, the skills to just show up and, and play. And that's what a lot of grandmasters do, frankly. They know that you're going to be preparing. They, they understand all of that. And they have the skill set to, first of all, avoid your preparation or play into it a little bit and then deviate and then outplay you. Uh, I, but there's a second element to this, and this kind of goes along with the sports psychology element is that I need to start actually not being, uh, so self-deprecating and joking mm -hmm. that I will never get the title. And I, and I actually think you, uh, you manifest it. I, I, I think it's a reality. I haven't actually started on this process of manifesting. I haven't, uh, I haven't done a tremendous amount of research, but I, I am sure that if you walk around with the confidence and the ability, and I'd say this to lower rated players all the time, if you want to be a rating, you can't respect that rating or fear it. You, you're going to be it. So you can't be afraid of it. I have to start doing that myself. But as I always say, do as I say, not as I do, it's, uh, it's been pretty hard. Uh, but like I said, I have those games where I'm full of confidence and the title means nothing. The rating of my opponent means nothing. And I, I build up the confidence, but uh, it, it's nowhere near as consistent as it has to be. So we'll see, but it would be very nice to get the GM title. And I probably should stop saying things like I will never be one because that's stupid. If, why am I coming back to play tournaments? If I'm also saying stuff like that. All right. There you have it. That's fun to hear. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've interviewed a few people chasing the GM title to me. I mean, you guys are so strong to begin with, but I love to see, I love to see people, uh, you know, trying to achieve their maximum. Um, 
So you mentioned in one of your YouTube videos that you reached out to your former and possibly again coach, GM Vojcik Miranda, who of course uh, you did a fun, I think it was a guest the ELO video featuring his great book and he's been on the podcast. So you might you might do some work with Vojcik and then you alluded to some sort of uh, secret potential coaches. Can you reveal anything else about that, Levy? Yes. So uh, I had a grandmaster reach out and be like, hey, you know, I saw you're coming back for the Vegas tournament. Uh, would be interested in helping you. It's uh, it's not like Magnus or Anish or one of these guys, uh, but uh, that would actually be interesting—a super yeah. GM coaching pairing. Uh, and we we actually haven't gotten anything scheduled yet because it's just it's just 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 the way it works. Hey, you know, can you do tomorrow? Uh, no, right. can you do the day after, etc. But uh, I I definitely have some report with uh, I, I always say report like Richard report, but it's like rapport. Yeah, I have some uh, rapport with uh, with Wojciech. We we we've worked together. He's uh, also been a, a super instrumental in helping one of my closest friends, Kyron Griffith, get his I am I want to say title. He's about twenty three ninety six with three norms. So let's just say he's going to get the title. He just popped off in Vegas, had a monster event, and it's they they worked together for for some time. So that also was part of the motivation. And yeah, Wojciech's great. Uh, he's very. He's very on the nose. I'll tell him I want to play a line. He'll tell me it's garbage. I'll say I want to keep playing it. He'll say, all right, you do you. Um, and he kind of, he, he tells it like it is and he's got a good style. And uh, that's, that. yeah, that's that's part of the training plan to come back. But a lot of it is going to be, a lot is going to be me. I have to sit down and, and do the work myself. It's it's not like you come in every day to the mixed martial arts gym and you have five different coaches. Uh, I think I I need one or two max uh, and I, I've got to really put in a, a, a good effort myself, which which is really not easy. I have to tell you between the streaming schedule and, yeah. I, you know, I want to make two YouTube videos a day and I want to improve my courses or work on the website a little bit. And, and, and it's just, I want to go to the gym and don't neglect another girlfriend. <laughs> yes. Yes. Lu- I mean, Lucy's the backbone of everything that I do. So I, I, she's out. She probably heard me just say that. Love you, honey. Um, so it's, <laughs> uh, Lucy. It's it, it it's nuts, man. I, but some days it's eight nine p.m. I haven't had time to do any chess study, and I'm exhausted. I'm falling asleep trying to trying to learn my lines. So yeah, there's got there's going to be sacrifices made, and I have to figure out which sacrifices I have to make. Yeah, I was going to say because obviously, like you've you've had a lot of success in this past year. Like you you could take your foot off the gas and focus on on training even more if uh, if you wanted to. Not saying you should. I certainly don't. But but it's a possibility. I, I have, I've definitely taken, I mean, June, I streamed maybe 30 hours. It's really, it really hasn't been a lot between Vegas and preparing for Vegas and just burned. I was burnt out. I, I like officially whatever burnout felt like I, I felt like I had it and it felt like if I didn't stop, I was, you know, I, I talked about it also. Like I said, I'm very open about this stuff. I was just laying in bed and I had no desire to do anything, much less make YouTube videos. YouTube, I can still get up for because I can just record it, put it out, put some tags on it, monetize it and be done with it. But streaming takes a lot out of you because it's a lot of interaction for many hours at a time. And yeah, I just, I, I had no desire to do much of anything. So I just kind of made a YouTube video a day and tried to take some walks yeah. And uh, yeah. So you mentioned this on Twitter and you alluded to sort of mental health um, 
I don't know if I would call them challenges, but whatever, like everyone has, has mental, has ups mm -hmm. and downs. Um, so I think it's good that you're open about that. I mean, it really drives home. Like everyone from the outside has got to be just marveling at, at the year that you've had, but it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily change one's mindset. Is that, has that been your experience, Levy? Mindset in terms of like, like who I am your as a overall person, mood. Or? Oh, uh, I don't know. My, my, my overall, I mean, I'm probably happy more than anything else. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty competitive. So I, when I first started this journey, I, I did have the goal. I, I, I was really tracking every day how far I was a, away from being number one on YouTube. I'm not going to lie. Even when I had like 150, 200,000 subs, uh, it's interesting, you know, that mindset I applied to, to, to growing my YouTube channel, I should probably apply to my, my competitive chess. I just had this realization because even when I was number 15, on YouTube, I always believed I could become the best. And I and I kept looking for ways that there wasn't enough content available for beginners. And I, I, I timed a lot of things correctly, admittedly, on this journey with the Queen's Gambit and more viewing audience that was going to come in and they, pointing them in the right direction and giving them content that was not available on YouTube. So I would say I, I, I made a lot of good decisions and worked as hard as possible right when opportunity knocked, like with the Queen's Gambit. So... Uh, but I think, yeah, inherently being competitive and, 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 and happy more than anything else. But yeah, certainly there's days that I'm just totally spent. I stream or do commentary and then immediately make the recap and, of, of one of these top tournaments. And by the end of it, it's 8 p.m. and I haven't eaten a meal. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, but, uh, but no, I mean, I, I always crack up when I get somebody reaches out because they want to talk to me, let, like, let's say for a journal or, or some interview. And they say, I want to be respectful of your time. I'm like, come on, I'm a streamer. What, what, uh, I'm not a elected official that needs to go out into communities and actually make legitimate change. Like, let's, let, let's, let's not, let's not give me too much credit. I'm not some sort of, you know, I, I'm a guy who sits in front of two monitors and talks to a camera. Uh, so that always cracks me up as if I have to be regarded with some degree of respect uh but uh definitely it's a it's a mix of a few different things like happiness still i'm i'm competitive and i and i want to push the bar and i want to push chess to new audiences constantly and take on new projects and uh i'm very tired recently not as much i've been trying to get out more i'm get, getting more physically fit signed up for the gym I, I i i travel pretty far to work out with a friend of mine alex ostrovsky uh because he's been going to the gym for about nine months and done good things for him and uh i've made that effort but i don't think fundamentally as a person i've changed at all <laughs> i think i'm still the same uh sarcastic brat but if you kind of get you know if you if you get to know me i'm i'm a nice dude you could grab a drink with me uh and uh i i don't think that's changed actually in in, in the past year or so uh growth income whatever it might be it's i'm i'm, I'm really still kind of the same person for better or for worse. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, that's true. For better or for worse. Yes. <laughs> no, but I mean, what you say about like, you know, it's not that much trouble for you to do interviews or whatever. I mean, certainly like you say that, but obviously like something like me interviewing you, there's more in it for me than for you at this stage. So it's still appreciated, but Levy, and I do want to get into what you're alluding to in content creation, but just one more thing on sort of the the chess topic. I mean, you've mentioned, so we've discussed now tra training for the GM title and more generally just to like a pursuit of improvement, even if it's not about the sort of uh, 
accolade of the GM title. Um, and you alluded to sort of needing a wider repertoire, especially when you're playing these uh, these GMs. But is there anything else specifically you would be training? What what do you feel like you need to improve at? So, uh, coach and I agree on this. Uh, it's not rocket science. I think at this day and age, to 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 get a competitive advantage, particularly with what I'm doing, I don't have a ton of hours to dedicate to my improvement. My most uh, thorough advantage would be an opening preparation. Uh, that might not necessarily mean getting an advantage because, frankly, there are very few advantages left to gain. There's novelties that can complicate the position and make it trappy for the opponent, make it very difficult for them to, 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 to play through. And that's actually how I got most of my norms. Uh, preparation that would lead my opponent into many different complicated areas. And one of my the best wins of my life, which I regrettably have on an old laptop that's dead now and I can't ever make a YouTube video on, is uh, one of my opponents misplaying on like move 13, 14 of a very complex line. And I have to refute it over the board. And I did. And I won the game. And that was one of the best GM wins I ever I ever had. And it clinched in my first. I am norm for me, I think, in the World Open. So uh, the repertoire is super important. Uh, also, what kind of lines you play. Like you need to be layered. For example, drawish lines with black, I cannot play for a win against lower rated players. But if I'm playing a closed tournament where everybody's around the same level and I know how many points I need to get a norm or gain a certain amount of points, why not? I can play zero risk lines with black. And if I draw, I draw. It's not a big deal. But if I'm playing a 2100 in Vegas, I got to win. I mean, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but I have to win the game. So there's no way for me to play that. So you need layers of your repertoire. Um, beyond that, for, for me personally, I, I understand you can train positional play and strategic play and, and dynamic play. So I'm going to tout my, uh, to my own horn here for a second. Wojciech once famously told me that of all the people he's ever trained, I have the best sense of dynamics. So I, I, I'm a fiend for dynamic play. I'm always looking for it. And that's my own worst enemy because I'll look for it in a position that it doesn't exist particularly against grandmasters and I'll go for it after spending 30 minutes. They'll spend five refute me completely. I lose the game and I go, Oh, shucks. Uh, and Vegas was actually not much, you know, much off from that. I, I kind of went from variations that I thought were good. They were not. And every now and then I'll out calculate a stronger opponent and surprise them because I kind of see the board in a certain way. But, uh, a lot of it, I think comes to stopping myself. Like, don't do that thing that you're about to do, and here's why. Uh, and be a little bit sharper with your with your practical decision-making rather okay. than uh, uncorking a seven-move checkmating combination. A lot, of, a lot of games against stronger players really comes down to, okay, there's a couple of critical moments in this game that transform the position in a certain way, and you must evaluate it and decide which one is best. And it, listen, I got to tell you, I had a decent tournament in Vegas, but I didn't do that very well. Uh, there were some games, even against some of the lower-rated players, that they could have they could have capitalized on some of my inaccuracies, and that's just chess. They didn't because statistically, being the lower-rated player, they won't. They're, the the final mistake will most likely be made by them, and that is what ultimately ended up happening. But there were definitely moments in Vegas where it came to that critical moment, and I was wrong. But I was bailed out by the fact that I'm the stronger player. And ultimately, I could capitalize on their inaccuracies. But it did not happen against the GMs. (laughs) They were sharper for a longer period and more sustained period of time. 
uh, even in endgames, like my endgame against the Kapian, which was like five and a half hours, I thought it was over. I thought it was completely over for the last 20 moves, and it wasn't at all. There was still plenty of fight, but I had given up on the position. So endurance and practical decision-making, I think, is how I can get better. But that's a very abstract way, ultimately. It comes down to execution, I think. Okay. I mean, honestly, though, I feel like that might be easier than just getting better at calculating, which, again, as you allude to, like... You, just watching you play one minute, like in the I am not a GM stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you're very uh, resourceful. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's fun for me. I, I think that's, that, that skill alone gives me the confidence that I can, I can probably get that G in, in my title. Awesome. Well, fun story to track along with the uh, Levy mania as you uh, gallivant <laughs> around the US. But Levy, we want to get more into your content creation. But first, uh, let's take a break and hear from our sponsors. Perpetual Chess is proud to be brought to you in part by Chessable.com. Chessable, of course, is known for its proprietary move trainer technology, which utilizes space repetition to quiz you and make sure that you remember whatever tactical patterns or opening sequences that you're working on. They have a huge catalog of great books from top flight authors, both for purchase. And if you check for their short and sweet courses, you can find tons of free content. Speaking of free content, Chessable, of course, has also recently launched an adult improvement focused chess podcast called How to Chess with yours truly hosting it. Check for it on Chessable's YouTube channel, and you can also subscribe on the podcast platforms. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, Levy, we got to get into it. Um, obviously, becoming the biggest uh, YouTube presenter in, in the world. Um, and it all all happened, really, in the past 13 months. So mm-hmm. I'm sure there were a series of moments, Levy, but do you recall any in particular where you were just like, uh, for for lack of a better way to put it, like, holy crap, what's happening here as you wake up and check your analytics? Yes. So I can, this is really the origin story of the YouTube channel. Uh, I had it. It was there. And I started all on YouTube like in 2019, just making what I thought was going to be a really cool series. And maybe I'll bring it back. And you might remember this, the postmortem. And so in chess, uh, the postmortem is a period where you analyze the game after it's over. But if you type in postmortem to YouTube and you do it incorrectly, you'll get death videos, like videos of people <laughs> after, you know, and then, and, and, and like the person who, yeah, it's, it's really weird. And I, I had to remove that hashtag, but, uh, it was supposed to be kind of a sports center of chess news, and I was going to have segments of Prodigy Watch, the drama, but there wasn't enough in a seven-day span, frankly, even in a 14-day span. Like, chess is really hot, and there could be drama, and there have been some pretty dramatic periods of time, uh, definitely, but I ended up tabling that, and I was still a chess teacher in May 2020, but I took a walk to a Thai restaurant. I went to get my lunch and I was walking. I'm like, how do I start a YouTube channel? And I said, okay, 
I'm going to reset my rating and play games and, and grow, go from like 1,000 to 2,200. And I said, I'm going to call it the Gotham Guide because that's so brilliant. Both words start with the letter G. Wow, I'm so smart. And I did it and I recorded them on Twitch and I put them up on, on YouTube and I put on my chess teacher hat and people enjoyed them and they got some views. Uh, then tournaments started happening, these online events. And I said, hey, I'm going to make some recaps of the most interesting games. And I, and I put them out and some of them got some views. And uh, I spoke to Eric Rosen. He, he talked to me about YouTube and he said, hey, don't put the same thumbnail twice. I said, yeah, I was too lazy to, uh, you know, I didn't, have a, I didn't have a thumbnail person. So I said, I just put the same one twice. I said, don't do that. That's bad for the algorithm. And he gave me a lot of pointers back when he was on the climb to 100K or maybe it was 50K back then. I don't remember, but yeah, he's one of my closest friends. So uh, particularly in the chess world, uh, I, I, I would say so. And I just kind of was consistent. Anything I did on Twitch, I would put on YouTube. So four player chess, uh, even the, the, just the worst videos imaginable, uh, from these online events that just did not have a great quality. And then I, then I did basic chess openings explained, which is just an abomination of a video compared to stuff that I do now, but it has a million views. It's crazy. Like people just wanted bite-sized chess content. And that is when I started this journey of what can I give people in bite-sized format? The 10-minute chess opening series is a hit that people just want to learn the basics of an opening in 10 minutes or less. Um, This is June, July. Then I moved here and I started making those day recaps. You know, my man Antonio always makes the solo games, but, and he will make a few in a day. Uh, I'd like to think that he makes three or four a day now because he's got stiff competition. This is Agamathur, um, of course. For Yes, Antonio, yeah, yeah Agamathur. So uh, I don't know, maybe he used to do three or four in a day, but I, I, I love that. Like, you know, he'll, he'll make one every hour. That's awesome. Um, I, I try to not do that just because I think the YouTube algorithm prefers if you space it out by eight hours, but nobody actually knows what the YouTube algorithm uh, gods say or do. <laughs> uh, but you know, he does the solo games and I said, okay, I'm going to take the whole day and wait for the games to end, which is good and bad because there's already games being published. And I'm going to make a recap of the most interesting games uh, with a fun thumbnail. And I, I don't think I'm missing any steps, really. This is sort of the journey it took. And then the Queen's Gambit started coming out, like the trailer. And this is when I f- had my first aha moment. So my Queen's Gambit video got an uptick in views. And that happened because the trailer would lead to a recommended video that said how to play the Queen's Gambit, Gotham Chess. You know, it would pop up in the sidebar when people watched the Queen's Gambit trailer. People would click it. And it had 100,000 views in whatever time span it had. And then all of a sudden it got 10K in a day, 20K in, in, in a day. I was like, what is going on here? That's when I realized the Queen's Gambit was no joke. And basically, I dedicated all my content from that point forward to this new wave of audience that was going to come in. And I made how to play chess, not a five minute video like a lot is on YouTube, but a 30 minute video. And I was going to call it the ultimate beginner guide. It was going to give people peace movements, interactions, check and checkmate. And after they were done, they would be curious about the game. Uh, I kept doing the recaps. And I just, I, I, I added on layer by layer uh, how to solve chess tactics and exercises. And slowly the view count grew and grew. And I think it got to its maximum point around December, January, when the full Queen's Gambit effect had taken place. 
And I, I said this in a recent uh, interview, I think with, um, with BBC it was, but I went from about 100K, 120K in 48 hours to 2 million, like 2.2 million, 2.1 million, just from this. Views on a specific video or? Overall. Okay. Overall. And, and, and what I learned is that there was also a period of time I went from one video a day to two. So one at 7am, one at 7pm on anything, any subject. And uh, I, I just, I, I just worked really hard and I, I was also streaming. So I would stream a hundred hours a month, 120, 30 hours a month. And I made the beginner bootcamp, which listen, I'm a firm believer in the fact that you can, you can source free chess content. Uh, and I, I'm a firm believer in the fact, like I go to the gym and I don't have a personal trainer, but as I always say, if you have the funds in place and you want to get that chess.com premium membership and this access to, you know, a portal of, of, of chess teachers who make this content for you, structured lessons, uh, or you want to buy a bootcamp, which will tell you all the phases of the game, game reviews. I play some of my viewers there and I analyze and like, if you can, and you want to get it, it, it will improve your chess. Yes, you can do it for, for free, but sometimes that's very scattered and all over the place. And if you just want a solution where you pay and it's all right there for you, by all means do it. And uh, the rest is kind of history. I've been doing the exact same thing ever since. Uh, recently, that's expanded to music. <laughs> my, Your rap my, career, yeah. Yeah, my my rap and, and series like Guess the Elo, uh, which has been just an unbelievable sensation. And I, and I credit that to a couple of different comments over videos over time. But... Um, I don't think I'm really missing anything. You know, it's a mix of uh, openings videos and gambit videos and, and guess the ELO and the tournament recaps. And every now and then I'll, I'll, I started doing a bunch of chess history. People say that uh, their favorite video I've ever made was Kaspar vs. the world. It was like a 30 minute mini documentary on the entire thing and the thought process behind every move. And um, that's sort of been it, man. I, I, that's, that's it. I worked really, really hard and I think uh, hard work met opportunity and, it sort of just exploded. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you make it sound not that hard, but obviously you, the YouTube uh, the YouTube chess streets are fierce. There's lots of people making content. Um, I mean, and I, I do find your videos to be quite compelling. So, I mean, I, I think I told you even in our last interview, like I, even though you were you already had a bigger audience than me, I still felt like you should be bigger. And obviously, uh, <laughs> that has uh, borne out over the past year. Um, so is your plan going forward, Levy, just sort of like more of the same? Do you have any, anything new in the works? Definitely more of the same. I'm still not number one. Uh, so uh, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to become number one. That's always been, like I said, I, 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 so I'm internally very competitive on, on this whole thing. I, I really wanted to be, to, 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 to be the biggest uh, and, and attract the most audience. And I think that, there is a bit of, of an advantage to being in the States versus being, for example, in Europe, like uh, YouTube ad policy, I think is significantly more friendly in the States. Uh, it's much easier to make a career out of it, for example, full-time. Uh, and and, and that, that that is obviously one nice thing, despite living in New York City, which takes which ultimately ends up taking half my money after it's all said and done. Uh, so I think there there's definitely some benefits associated with being a creator on YouTube um, in the States and, and having, for example, uh, athletes and celebrities who are based here playing chess or tweeting about chess or tweeting about the Queen's Gambit. 
it doesn't matter if a person with 10 million followers goes, I just watched the Queen's Gambit. That is massive. I mean, that is so big. Anything chess related uh, will, will, will help us. And I have a lot of respect for the OGs. And I am by no means, I'm a firm believer in the fact that you can build somebody up without taking away from anybody else. So when people say, oh, I watch Gotham and I hate these other people, I'm like, why do why, why you like that? Like, why? I When I carved out this area on YouTube, my entire logic was a little bit of that. It was everyone's got a, a little bit missing. Something's missing from every everyone. And I feel like I can be that channel for people. And it's proven true for a lot of people. But a lot of people also don't enjoy my content because they like the calm demeanor or the more thorough analysis, particularly some of the stronger players, you know, the 1900s, 2000s. But if you're 1900 and 2000 and you don't enjoy my content because it's more tailored for an audience that's maybe 1500 below, 1200 and below, I mean, there's no need to like tear me apart. You could just go enjoy the content that that you like, right? So it, it, it goes both ways. People say, I love Gotham and I hate all these other people. But you don't need to do that. You know, Gotham is better than all these people for X, Y, and Z, or these people are better. But obviously that's going to happen as people build fan bases and whatnot. So I have a tremendous amount of respect for the people that were doing this when the opportunity necessarily wasn't there. And I do kind of think sometimes like, sure, I bring in a lot of viewers, but does this disperse? Do people start with me and then go to those other people to maybe fill in the gaps like a Hanging Pawns, for example, who does really thorough videos on opening prep? I think the answer is yes. I think that if I, I am the intro to people for chess on YouTube, they're like, wow, this is pretty interesting. You know, it's not like boring. They all like, oh, this guy's engaging. He's He kind of acts like a clown sometimes. He's funny. Chess is interesting. Let me hang out here. His comment section is a bunch of memes. Like, let me, you know, like we have the biggest engagement sometimes on my channel, like thousands of comments on a video, just people joking around and having a good time. And then they disperse to the other smaller channels. That is the ultimate goal for me. But I don't know. I also don't know. Maybe if people spend an hour a day on YouTube, they only watch me. They don't watch the other people. So this is something that I'm thinking about and maybe in the future we'll do something to just boost up the smaller channels that were definitely there before me. For example, I did get a really funny comment recently. So, you know, Mato, Mato Yelich was a, one yeah. of the YouTube OGs. Yeah. So I got a comment on one of my videos that said, this was so funny. Uh, Mato Yelich uh, taught us without a, with just the board because he doesn't have an ego. You have an ego because you have a face cam. I was like, man, yeah, well, like that is good. That's that's going to be a tough person to convince no matter what. I, I, I'm i a YouTuber with a face camera, so I have an ego. I, like, can't please everybody, Ben. Um, yeah. Well, I saw so. you on stream one time say you have a bit of Kevin Durant in you and reading the comments. So, I mean, obviously at your level, if you, and for, for listeners who don't know, Kevin Durant, obviously one of the most famous basketball players in the world, but he had a controversy where he had a secret uh, social media account where he was like responding to haters. <laughs> so, but I, yeah, I mean, that could, that could be a full-time job for you if you got caught up in it. I totally. And yes, for those that don't know, I used to pin hate comments on my YouTube videos. Um, it's very difficult to do now because people have realized that I do it. So people realize that I, I pin hate comments, so it's very difficult to identify who's actually a troll and who's hating. If I see someone has 50 comments on my channel and that one was very inflammatory, I know that they're just trying to get pinned, but I'll have a person who's commented three times and all of them are hateful, but they're spread out over three months. Like, why do you keep coming back if you don't like it here? <laughs> what, what are <laughs> right. you doing? Um, so yeah. th- that's one, you know, that's that's one way to get engagement uh, that, that, that I think set me aside a little bit. I... I 
it's it's a skill you need to have as you get bigger. I don't know if everybody's immune to it. Um, also, let's just be very clear: women have it a hundred percent worse. That is an yeah, entire good to, good to mention. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know men have it one way, but but women get a whole another genre of it that we don't need to. You know, we can keep it at that. Um, and I'm sure people know what exactly we're talking about. So uh, it's always made me laugh. Uh, I've never. I I I've, I I only received death threats and the whole cheating. Oh my god! I don't even want to like. Yeah, yeah, we we don't have to. But um, I've never I've never gotten like any anything like to that extent. But I, I you know I I get my hate and like I said, most of it is kind of that is that my my content is whatever superficial or I'm I just yell a lot or something and I have my Gotham isms. But it it's it's got to either motivate you or or make you laugh. And I I don't I'll I'm not gonna have a burner account where I go at people. I'll have my public account where I go at people. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. Um, um, cool. And I should explain, since I cut you off a little bit, th- th- what you're referring to, of course, is a cheating controversy with Dua Kaipas. I, of course, interviewed uh, uh, WGM Irene Sukander about it, and Levy's talked about it ad nauseum. But if anyone is wondering what we're talking about, you can look it up and hear about it on many different channels. Um, yep. Now, Levy, I got a couple more Patreon mailbag questions mm-hmm. for you. Uh, a couple of them we've sort of touched on, but I want to read the questions. We have a uh, big fans of yours who reached out. So got to make sure that um, you address them head on. Um, so first question is from Daniel Gell, who recently resubscribed to Patreon. So thank you, Daniel. Much appreciated. Uh, he says, Levy, I think the keys to your success are your entertaining jokes and sarcasm, whether viewers like it or not, not shying away from controversy and the fact that you're just better at chess than 99% of your viewers despite what angry commentators might say. During the live coverage of your National Open games, I had to remind people that you didn't have stockfish with you during your games, SMH. That means shake my head for older listeners. Anyway, do you agree and do you have anything to add to your success? P.S. been subscribed since July 12, 2020, according to XXLukeDE, a peculiarly named website, but confirms that I was an early fan. And he's referring to an early fan of, of yours, of course, Levy. First of all, thank you. You believed in me before I believed in me. Uh, July 2020, man, that's like, I don't know, 20K subs on YouTube. So I listen, uh, I've got a longtime fan who actually, I met I, I met him. I met Jake in uh, in Vegas. Uh, his username, Kind of Pink Jake, the Twitch viewers might know who that is. And um, he uh, he's active on Twitter. He's active on Twitch. And he, he was a YouTube sub when I had like 200 subs. Wow. I mean, think about that. He, Shout yeah, out to Jake, yeah. Yeah, he, he, I think he subbed to my YouTube to troll me. To be like, uh, I gotta, you know, this guy's content is is so baby. I gotta, I gotta make fun of him, and and um, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Like some some people have stuck around, and uh, okay. So to to answer uh, this question, yes, we've talked about it a little bit during the show. I definitely thought there was something missing from chess on YouTube, and I intended to go go at it, and I I don't have. I don't have the bonus of being a, a, a top player that anyone's followed, right? So um, Hikaru has the benefit of the fact that he's just a brilliant blitz bullet. I mean, he was number two classical in the world. That's not his focus at the moment. And it's fascinating. And, and he's probably, of, of like the top GMs, is probably top five who can communicate, laugh. Yeah, uh, of course. You know, for... There's, there's there's a lot of positive things you can say. And I mean, it, the growth of chess wouldn't have been possible unless he started streaming in November 2018 more actively. So uh, I don't have that. I can't go and play Magnus and beat him. I can't go to a you know a week-long final in the summer. We're talking about the Magnus Carlsen uh, finals, um, summer 2020. 
So that I can't do. And I had to, I had to see what I could do with my personality and the fact that I have a history of being a chess teacher so I can make the concepts more bite-sized. And uh, yeah, a little bit of sarcasm uh, or I don't know, maybe more than that. Uh, <laughs> and entertainment, cracking jokes, accents, uh, voice inflections. I have a couple of running inside jokes and things that I say, but I try to mix it up every video so that you want to watch. You don't know what you're going to miss in 30 minutes. You don't know how I'll make you laugh or uh, what, what, what joke that I'll crack. You'd be like, what? Um, but I, I also try to keep it family friendly because parents watch with their kids, sons, daughters, like it, it, they, 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 they watch, uh, and they, they, it's, it's a, it's a family experience also on my, on my YouTube, the guest, the ELO, not always, there's some, a little bit of swearing, but, uh, and, uh, I think, I can't really add a, a whole lot more, but um, that was a long question. I feel like I'm missing a part of it. There was I something that everything the beginning. because because we had already um, we had already touched on it. So I I think you got the the broader points. So uh, let's get to the next and last uh, Patreon question, which I'm guessing is th- some version of this is probably the question you get asked the most. And we even talked about it. Uh, in in our prior interview, but uh, Tobiah Rex writes in and asks, uh, do you have any recommendations, advice on how to generate new and original chess content for new streamers? So this person is a new streamer trying to get into it? That's my impression, yeah. Um, Well, it's funny because a year ago you asked me advice for new streamers and I said, don't do it. Uh, Here we are 13... Here we are 13 months later. That was not strategically me trying to sabotage future competition. I mean, it's just, it's really hard. A lot of people have started streaming chess, literally, and a lot of them are grandmasters. If you ever dig through the chess category, you will be shocked at how many really strong grandmasters are streaming to three viewers, five yeah. viewers. Uh, be entertaining. Have a really good-looking stream. So this is this I can safely say. I rate a lot of small creators. If you don't have a camera and it doesn't look good, it doesn't sound good, I'm not bringing my people just because they're going to leave. I'm not bringing it because I don't like it. It's they're coming from a place where they have music. They have the active chat. They have, they need something where they can feel like they're part of a, a living room experience. You have a big living room. You're having a, a get together. People are drinking. If they're not of age, they're drinking juice. Um, <laughs> they're having a good time. They're socializing chess, whatever. If you have none of those components, it's really hard to, to, to build anything and, and, and be consistent. Now you say, well, the Minecraft people are faceless. Yeah, but that Minecraft is an outlier of epic proportions in terms of, um, in terms of community and, 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 and social media reach. So you, you, everything's got to look good. It's all got to look good. It's got to sound good. Uh, having said that, do it mindfully and with a budget. Don't quit your day job and drop 10 grand on a stream setup. I've got... $30 monitors. The most expensive thing I have is this Sony camera. My mic is like a hundred bucks. I don't have, I don't even have the Shure, which you have. A lot of yeah. people have the Shure. Um, I didn't get it because I was too lazy to set up the sound dock. I just have a standing microphone and it doesn't yeah. sound so bad. Um, sounds so, fine, yeah. and then you have to have something compelling about you. Uh, if for whatever reason you have a grandmaster listening right now, uh, be a grandmaster, but be compelling, make jokes, uh, make people want to come back. So if they have a favorite big streamer, you can be their favorite small streamer Uh, or do something cool like adult improver and uh, stream yourself training. A lot of people are going to get along with you and want to train with you because a lot of people are currently stuck in the exact same journey. So uh, 
you gotta you gotta turn heads and you gotta want people to stay. That's the way you have to think about it. And if you've got to be a little bit more theatrical uh, without being overly fake about it, just understand that if you're gonna if you're gonna boot up a camera and just talk like it's nothing, so are hundreds of people. So you need to find something about yourself that stands out. Uh, and if you can't, then do it for fun. Don't make it a career. But if you're trying to make it a career, that might not be that just might not be feasible because there's truly hundreds of people trying to go at it right now. But I dig around on YouTube all the time. Uh, I dig around on YouTube all the time for 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 these small channels and interesting stuff that they're doing. And um, for those of you asking uh, and and other people curious how to come up with new ideas, the answer is in the question. Sit around and come up with new ideas. Hey, is there a YouTube video out on this? Look it up. Oh, there is, but it's by a small channel. It hasn't been made by a god, Gotham, Hikaru, <laughs> Danny King, John Bartholomew, right? Like I, I got Kasparov versus the world. I always knew that was a game, but he, uh, Antonio never made a video about it. <laughs> okay, great. And I made the thumbnail and I try to make all my thumbnails unique. And um, now it's there and I don't know, six, 700,000 views. So that's, that's the way you got to do it. Like I thought of an idea yesterday. I'm not going to share it. <laughs> You'll have to see it on YouTube, but uh, that's just the way it works. You just sit, brainstorm, think of the thumbnail and then make the content. And you have to have good thumbnails if you're going to go on YouTube. Twitch is different, but YouTube... Got to be attention grabbing with the title, the thumbnail, everything. All right, excellent advice. And Levy, uh, do you have influences like uh, inspirations outside of chess, other content creators that you uh, adapt chess to? Uh, so I only watch two things on screens, really. I, I watch uh, mixed martial arts events when they're there, and I watch a little bit of like uh, basketball news and mixed martial arts news on YouTube. I'll watch my Chael Sonnen, my Undisputed, something about these sports talk shows where the guys yell at each other for 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, that's really that's really all I watch. I, I don't watch a whole lot of shows. I'll put that on as background noise. Uh, and I I will say that one, I have a very famous moment in my in my Twitch stream. For me personally, this wasn't some sort of big event, but somebody told me to make a video about the chess titles. And I said, I don't want to make my YouTube videos like Wikipedia. Like, if you can look it up, I don't want to make a video about it. And Tirzu, who I met in person, Tirzu is the guy that makes the tier list videos, the really kind of video game infused with sound effects and like very like high quality production videos on, on YouTube. He said, dude, my entire channel is basically that. It's kind of what he said. He's like, you know, I, I make bird tier lists, but if you really wanted to go read about birds, you could go read about birds, but it's much better to get it in a 20 minute fun edited video. It's more, more interesting. You can learn and enjoy. And I said, well, okay. So I made the video, how to become a chess grandmaster. Uh, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> and I told people about the titles and that video does well. Actually, Mr. Beast was on a call with me and told me that he, that was one of the videos of mine that he saw when we were doing a little bit of a, uh, preparation for for PogChamps. And for those that don't know, Mr. Beast, I think is currently the most watched YouTuber. His content is incredibly uh, <laughs> explosive. He does all sorts of insane, expensive stunts and gives away tons of money. And uh, that's a cool system because he makes a lot on his monetization and he gives away a lot. And a lot of people are winners in that case. So uh, he told me one thing. He said that every second of your video needs to be compelling and I should consider to edit my chess content a little bit more. Um, so I started editing and doing a little bit more jump cuts, but there's only so much editing you can make on a chess video. Uh, so that's one thing I try to do. I tried there for there not to be any boring seconds. Do you do that intervals. yourself, Levy? 
Yeah, it's not that hard. I mean, I have Shotcut. It's a free program. I cut certain parts in my intro to make it flow better, and that's it. Yeah, it doesn't take a whole lot of work, but um, yeah, I edit most of my own stuff. If it's like super complex, I'll outsource it. Shout out to Daily Dose of Chess. Go cool. subscribe to him on YouTube. But yeah, I would say Tierzu, cool. Mr. Beast. Other than that, not not really. Just I don't want to be the second anybody else. I want to be the first Gotham. So nice. Yeah, and Mr. Beast, such a famous YouTube creator that even I've heard of him. Um, and you know, you did uh, you did a Twitch stream with Gordon Hayward. Obviously, you've done some stuff in, yeah, in collaboration <laughs> with uh, with Chess.com. What other like uh, celebrity brushes have you had, Levy? Like whether it be uh, for a sort of sanctioned thing, like uh, PogChamps, or just sort of uh, less less high profile, less uh, visible, I guess you could say. So I really want to get George St. Pierre to play chess, the MMA uh, goat, in my opinion. Uh, and uh, there was a video that he said that he played chess in his childhood, actually. He competed in some tournaments. I did send him an Instagram DM just for just for kicks. I haven't really messaged a lot of celebrities. It would be cool to do another NBA thing. The Gordon Hayward thing was nuts. I was walking in a botanical garden with my girlfriend and some friends, and I got a notification that Gordon Hayward PayPal'd me money for my wow. course. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is funny. This isn't Gordon Hayward, obviously. And it a hundred percent was Gordon Hayward. I was like, what? And uh, yeah, sometimes I keep track of his chess.com and see how he's doing. And it's uh, that's that, that was crazy that we did that lesson. He plays for Charlotte now, Boston previously, and then Utah before that, if anybody follows the NBA. Uh, I actually, um, there is one sports organization, eSports org uh, from New York that's b- based in New York called Anbox. And uh I I was hoping that maybe there would be some ability to sign with them. I'm not signed to anybody and I'm happy the way I am, but obviously Yeah, that's crazy though. I mean Well, I don't know, maybe I'm a brand risk. I don't know. I should <laughs> I should I should tweet less about politics. Yeah, we'll uh, get to that. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean like for example, like they're really they're they're, they're great because they have a lot of roots in New York City and sports teams and I would love to do like a chess event at a big stadium or something like that. It's always some stuff that I'm brainstorming and um, but not, 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 no real other celebrity run-ins. I've been recognized in New York like eight times. That's pretty cool. That's pretty nice. cool. Um, yeah, yeah but- I wondered about that. And I, and I got to ask you, Joe, I mean, <laughs> Levy, um, <laughs> well, you'll see why I called you Joe in a second. Um, there's this famous sports writer, Joe Posnanski. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's coming on the show, knock mm-hmm. on wood, uh, interviewing him later this week, but you, you're a young man, so you may not be that familiar with him. But do, I saw you follow him. Do you are you familiar with his work? Probably not to the extent that I should be, but I did notice that some time ago, <clears throat> um, something chess related happened, and he was involved. And then obviously he posted the "I hate chess," and I totally echo his sentiments. Cool. Yeah, that's why. I, that's when I reached out to him. I was like, oh, I, I got to try to get him talking chess. Um, he uh, he he was in my. I think he was in my stream. He might have even given some subs. So yeah, I I like baseball. I've been a Yankee fan since childhood. So uh, I like it less than some of the other sports I watch now. But yeah, I know I, I know of him and I know of his piece. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Just checking in. All right. So Levy, uh, just got a couple more topics I want to hit. But first, let's take one more break and hear from our sponsors. Perpetual Chess is brought to you in part by aimchess.com. If you haven't checked out aimchess.com by now, what are you waiting for? What AimChess does is it collects your games from the major chess sites 
and then gives you actionable advice of how to improve your game. It might be to work on a specific opening or to get better at end games or improve your time management or whatever it may be. And then it gives you related puzzles to help you improve that specific skill. They are constantly improving the site. They recently added blindfold tactics, time management training, common checkmate patterns. So there's so much to do there. If you decide to subscribe, be sure to use the promo code PERPETUAL30. Details are in the show notes for aimchess.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back. So, Levy, if I told you I was going to ask you about one of your tweets, which one might you think it is? Any guesses? Is it my recent one about anti-vaxxing? <laughs> I've, I've, I've written a lot of political tweets. Yeah, that one was second on the list. Yeah, so okay. <laughs> it is. Uh, I'll read it to you. Um, May 11th, 2021. The biggest a-holes in chess are rated 2,000 to 2,200. <laughs> They're strong enough to backseat streamers learning, complain about the influx of new players and gatekeep, which content on YouTube is good and bad all while being resentful a seven-year-old can beat them despite decades of work. Yeah. So any regrets there, Levy? <laughs> no, uh, no regrets. Um, we talked about this earlier. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of ways to start this and kind of go through this. Uh, this mostly comes, I would say, I, I must have seen something that day that, that kind of put me over the top with this. Uh, I think my... My biggest, I, I don't know, I, I want to find a better word than hater because it's just such a, such a, you know, bad term, but okay, haters, like the people that, that really, like I said, publicly are like trashing the content and gatekeeping the content uh, are, are about that, maybe 18, 1900, 2000, whatever, and, and, and kind of into that master category. Uh, there is a very high chance that on Reddit chess, if someone is, 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 is writing these long thesis statements about why my content is actually bad and I am not the fastest growing YouTuber, they're around that. They have a little tagline that says 2300 Lee Chess, 2100, you know, chess.com rapid or something. And that is because at that level, you, you get chess. Like, let me be very clear. I know my tweet said what it said, but you, you get chess more or less. So you still have a long way to go. You are still... Uh, a, a peon compared to some of the maybe IMs and GMs, maybe not myself, but like a Tuan Min Lei, who's one of the strongest IMs in the world. But they are the best in the room very frequently. And a lot of the comments that they write might be positive, but at the same time, more often than not, a lot of their stuff is like, you should not watch that because that's not how you actually get better at chess. You got to watch this. And, uh, that's not the way you should study. This is the way you should study. And I, it, I just, it, it boiled over that day. Like it, <laughs> it boiled over that day. And um, I always say on Twitch and on Twitter, I might be a little bit more theatrical just for a little bit more engagement. Um, but yeah, I mean, your average talented eight-year-old, nine-year-old is now 2000. I mean, if you're not Abhimanyu Mishra and the youngest I am in the world at 10, are you even a prodigy anymore? So that... That tweet was definitely uh, 
pointed uh, so it could get reshared and people would say, oh, Gotham is always dividing the community or, you know. Yeah, I, you, definitely, I, I, you definitely made a few enemies with that one. <laughs> yes. Um, and, uh, but that, that, that's, 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 Look, that's that's unfortunately the 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 reality. I mean, I've had the probably the most nasty things said about me or to me directly in some of these like online threads by by folks who can't watch my YouTube and learn, and they're like, "Oh, this guy's such a clown. He's such a you know, he belongs in a circus. I'm gonna go watch my 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 power play chess, my Danny King, who's absolutely fantastic, but he's a very you know, he's a very stoic grandmaster. Thirty minutes of truly like very high level analysis. I love his videos. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I'm totally giving the man props. Just as a beginner, you can only pay attention to chess like truly and 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 get like the most out of a viewing experience in like you know that sports center format, for example. And maybe you like like we said the entertainment or the sarcasm or 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 whatever it is. It's just two totally different flavors. But yeah, that day I just decided to come for the the two K to twenty two hundred. Knives out. Yeah. <laughs> All but, right. Well, no, I was just going to add one more thing. Like a lot of people, if you notice, a lot of people in those things compared to certain video games, you have the people who are right there. They are right on the cusp of mastery in a lot of video games, but they can't go pro or they can't get the teaching job. Or So they're, you know, they're sort of there like, well, I got to take that next step, but I can't quite do it. And uh, by the way, I quit chess for three years from 12 to 15 and I was rated 2000. It's a very hard level of chess to improve. Uh and sometimes you, you 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 might feel stuck and and you might get in there and um, but I still completely agree with what I said and um, you know um. okay well this is what I'll say <laughs> first of all I consider myself in that category my USCF has been over twenty two hundred but it no longer is um, but I wasn't personally offended because I've I've seen what you're talking about um, there there is a sort of know it all strain among some chess fans. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if I, had I been you, I wouldn't have assigned a specific rating range to it. Um, I think that's where, that's where, uh, as you say, some people felt like you, you know, you're dividing the community by like, if you just said some chess fans are know-it-alls, like, you know, no specific chess fan can feel seen, you know, can, can can feel singled out. So I think that's what kind of uh, got you in some trouble, but Honestly, I just I just can't take this stuff too seriously is the the main reason it, it didn't upset me. But I did see more vitriol than usual. I mean, I guess I don't read like your your anti-vaxxer com I, I can't read anti-vaxxer comments. So um I wouldn't know how it compares to the other sort of blowback you've gotten, but it from my perspective, it seemed uh seemed uh pretty fierce. Yeah, I uh there's definitely the, the folks that are on most of my con- like tweets that get attention like that, but they don't follow me, but they always find their way there. Right. Uh, I won't name names. I, I get paid to promote products and people. So uh, I don't, I don't want to give them too much unnecessary attention, but yeah, there's, there's definitely uh, those folks, but yeah, like at the end of the day, Ben, that, that tweet was not out of a place of pure anger. I mean, it was just to crack some people up ultimately. Yeah. Like, Oh, really? Oh, yeah, really? Uh, and, and I could have maybe posted some sort of evidence, but definitely, yeah, people took it very seriously. They were like, "Oh, Gotham, the the ever divisive member of the community and 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 everything." But listen, we got no other people like that in chess. No grandmasters are ever going to tweet something like that. All the other creators barely tweet that they got the vaccine. So, I don't know. People are very uh walking on eggshells in in our very much walking on eggshells. You and Feingold, you and Feingold carry the torch. Uh, that's about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. If, I don't even know if Ben's tweeted something like that. Um, yeah, Dan, Ben is definitely uh, much more 
makes a lot more, I think, political statements uh, than myself. He's, he's, <laughs> he, 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 uh, he definitely doesn't hide it. And I, and I, and I respect that about him. Um, and I, I think I've tweeted enough about politics and I've spoken about uh, politics on, on Twitch. I actually don't think I'm, I would probably surprise some people actually with the way I talk about it, that I'm not like leading so far one way or the other, but uh, I think that there is less politics and more common sense problems, particularly in the States. So that is the stuff that I, I speak out against and or for. And I got to ask Levy because it's, it's unclear. I mean, you're so popular that maybe it is good for your, your air quotes brand, but do, is there even a voice in your head? I mean, clearly you're kind of like a no filter type of guy, but do you kind of like have to force yourself to say, say something incendiary on, on stream or like hit send on that tweet? Or is it just like, you think it, you send it, boom. Okay. I mean, I definitely have, I've, I've stopped myself from tweeting certain things. Uh, right before we went live, I saw a cop in Arkansas killed a kid at three in the morning. Um, and you know, guy was a, a white teenager. And I, and I, and I say that's actually kind of important because it, it, it's, it's, it's always, it's always not that right. And, and then the argument is that, Oh, it doesn't make the news. Like somehow, uh, the, you know, um, people who are, are Republican will be like, Oh, this is only news because this, I mean, they, they still, right. So without making this podcast political, I saw that there was a story. It was a white teenager. It's, you know, he was on a little ATV, took out some antifreeze to put it behind his tire so that the thing wouldn't roll into the cop car, got shot in the neck. I want to tweet about this stuff all the time, Ben. I think there are so many fundamental problems with this country and like we really need to work on them and fix them. And sometimes I'm, I don't, I don't do it because I, I give up. I have like mm-hmm. no hope that we're actually going to fix any of this stuff. Um, I would tweet something political every day, multiple day, m- multiple times, um, you know, multiple times a, uh, a day, but uh, I'm wary of a couple of things. So first of all, uh, I am wary of uh, getting too involved in this hateful world of, po- of politics. I'm, I'm, air, I'm air quoting on my camera, but you know, uh, like I said, common sense, and then people will get weaponized with it and and, and hunt down where I where where my family lives or where I live or something like that. Uh, but it it it's a little bit too hateful for me. Um, and also, I mean, frankly, cancel culture. Like if I say something even half wrong, you got to be like, you got to be really careful. And, and, and I, I, I don't hold any views. Like, let's, let me just be very clear. I don't hold any views that like I'm hiding and they could get me canceled. Like, no, I'm, I'm a normal common sense kind of guy. But if I ever spoke out about like some sort of moderate territory where I'm not leaning one way or the other, you never know. I mean, you really, you and I, and I, and I, I don't want to run that risk. I don't want to say something wrong. And then I have to come out here with YouTube apologies or, Twitter apologies or uh, Ben Johnson podcast apologies. <laughs> like, hey, You're always uh, welcome, man. <laughs> no matter so, how bad you screw up. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's 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 one of those things. So I I, I tend to keep it to things like uh, gun violence in America is disgusting, and we're the laughing stock of the entire world. And if there's any Americans who are listening offended by that statement, I'm sorry. That's the that is like the truth. I mean that. I got a lot of European viewers who always make fun of me because <laughs> they're like, dude, what is going on there? I mean. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's like that stuff like that. And yeah, the anti-vaxxer stuff, I just, I love, I love it. It's, <laughs> I mean, like the bring people, it on, yeah. yeah, because the people in the comments who are like, uh, it's, it's, it's so bad, Ben. I mean, we're not going to beat the Delta and the Lambda variants without, without getting stabbed in the arm. So yeah. it's, uh, and I'm not a doctor, obviously I'm not a doctor and 
we'll, we'll, you know, more things will come out about side effects. I just think, I just think, I just think it's so funny. That's yeah. okay. But that's well, just, <laughs> that's a, just me. A slightly less controversial topic. I hope. Um, one thing I, I really appreciate about you. And I mentioned this to uh Patreon subs when I announced the, the second interview, because again, like I can see how people got upset about your, uh, your, um, your tweet about the people rated 2000 to 2200. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm anti anti vaxxer, but I can see how people on the right might, you know, have some, they might disagree with you on some issues. And, and in some cases, um, it's, it's totally understandable to me, but the fact that you stand up for women in chess to me is quite, it's full stop <clears throat> admirable, especially like someone of, of your, um, of your station now. Um, so like maybe, I don't know how you want to approach this. Maybe the, the <clears throat> feedback that your girlfriend Lucy gets, um, maybe, you know, I know you donated to us chess women, like how has this issue come to your attention as as a male? Sure. Well, that's there's obviously the the women in chess and just women. Period. Um, I can say that at at no point in my life did somebody sit me down and go, uh, "The world is, you know, like destroy the patriarchy. You have to be nicer to women." Like no one ever sat me. Down. I just that's just common sense. Like I said, like with some of my political views, it just seems like common sense to me. You're just all human. Like, <laughs> like. Why, why do we need these like mini lectures? I mean, some of us do. Absolutely. I, I just, I, I, I never had that. And I would say that, <clears throat> um, let's see women, women in chess. That's, uh, that probably became very much at, at the center of attention when I became a chess teacher. So I, uh, I had a, I had a girl show up my first day on the job of the school that I ran the program at for multiple years before I went full-time content creation, a second grade girl class of first, second, third grade boys. And, uh, she was like crying. Cause she was the only girl. It was like mm-hmm. her and like 15 really rowdy kids, punching each other, biting each other, yelling at each other. It's a Brooklyn kids. I mean, they're private school kids, but like they're Brooklyn kids. If they were Manhattan private school kids, they wouldn't be doing that. Um, my <laughs> New Yorkers know what I'm talking about. Brooklyn. <clears throat> no, no, it's good. I'm mm-hmm. saying I, I, I'm, I, I'm firing shots at Manhattan kids getting picked up in bulletproof Mercedes Benzes in Manhattan, man. Like, I mean, like we're talking, it's a totally different ball game. I really enjoyed being a chess teacher in Brooklyn, actually. Um, even for the wealthiest of families, because they, they're a little bit, it's a little bit different. Um, <clears throat> that's a separate talking point. So uh, yeah, that's, that's when it became quite clear to me. And I think there was one article that went around of, of, a, of a school that got featured in, uh, in like the New York times or one of these things that they did really well at the state championship. Uh, and, uh, 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 I actually think that same girl's mom responded to this thread. Like, I don't think they mentioned a single girl in that article. And that was a team of like 30, 40 kids. And that might've been very well true. We had very famously on our team, 40 competitive players and four of them were girls. And that was actually successful. One out of 10 for, 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 for most chess programs. But when I left, we made a big push to have an all-girls class. And I, and I know there's an entirely separate debate about all-girls classes. But the truth is, and for some people, this is for some reason uncomfortable to talk about, Like there are just fundamental differences between boys and girls, even at a young age, particularly in the classroom. Boys would much rather get into arguments and beat each other up. It's just true. I've been around hundreds of them, <laughs> like hundreds of students. 
And if you make an all girls chess classroom and they're all focused and they don't have that distraction, a lot of them like have a really nice incubated learning experience. They get along great. The older, the older kids help the younger kids. And you know, now we're now, now before I left that, that program, more girls were playing chess in kindergarten than boys. That's great. Like, yeah, that, that's, that's crazy. Now, of course, you would need to then figure out at what point, if at any point, does that trail off? When do the boys get more serious about it? When does it, right? There's social dynamics. I mean, people want to make arguments for hormonal dy- dynamics, like like both genders hit puberty totally differently. I don't know. I'm I'm not a scientist. I'm just here to report that at a very young age, given the right learning experience, the best learning experience in the classroom, girls play chess b- by more numbers and more competitively than boys. That's That's... Before I left as a as as a teacher, we had that. Like we 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 found that we discovered it, um, and whatever happens beyond that point has to do with society. Has to do with, like I said, just just the fundamental differences between the two. I mean, I, that's that's the facts as as I can report them. However, um, yeah, men are just terrible to women. And for those listening who are like, I'm not. Yes, I understand, but. <laughs> There are a lot of people who are, man. Like they, they, there just are, and I don't, I don't know where that comes from. Like I don't know where it, it's, it's even the smallest of things. Like not understanding that 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 the conversation is over, and you're making someone feel uncomfortable to, to the, the obviously just the people that just do all the gross stuff, um, and and uh, and like we were talking earlier about female content creators and all the comments that they have to deal with. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, it's really rough. And like the Botez sisters, um, Nemo, Anna Kramling, Anna Rudolph, they all, they all talk about it, but the men don't like at all. And I, I, I don't really know why they don't maybe like a guy like Eric Rosen is just non-controversial period on, on any subject. And he'll obviously speak out about something like this, but yeah, I'm very on the nose with it. I will screenshot a YouTube comment as you've seen me uh, do and just post it on Twitter and be like, don't be like this person. And if you have a friend who's like this person, stop them. Yeah. You know, because you can make as many jokes as you want behind the scenes, but that, that might spill over into, into whatever, into the, uh, your, your, your job or the way you interact with people. And, and truthfully, if you're, if you're like hateful, then nowadays a text message or a post you made on any platform many years ago will potentially lose you your job. And I don't necessarily agree with the way the world is now in, in that regard, but that's just the truth. Like you got to just treat people with respect. <laughs> like my whole thing is I'll treat anybody with respect as long as whatever they do doesn't affect me, my family, my loved ones detrimentally, like go and live your best life, whatever, uh, in whatever way you wish. And I, and, and I just, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why we, we say like nasty comments to uh, adults, but even, even, you know, like I've been, I've been at chess tournaments and a girl who's like five will beat an older guy. And the guy will like sit there holding her hand after the handshake for a minute, trying to talk to her and like give her advice. It's like the creepiest like thing ever. Yeah. And I didn't know, like, am I supposed to step in? Like, I, I don't know. It's, you know, maybe it's innocent the guys, just a bit weird, but it's the only sport in the world that pits potentially a tiny girl against an older, an older guy who's, you know, who's who doesn't have like the best intentions. I mean, it, it really is. And I don't know, that was a, that was a very long drawn out no. monologue, but I mean, I try to draw as much attention to it as possible, man, not just in chess and society, like we just got to be better and we are better than we yeah. were, but 
I appreciate it. Yeah, and we are better. It's worth not losing sight of that. And in summation, treat everyone with respect except people rated between 2,000 and 2,200. Right, right, uh, Lev? No, <laughs> unless they're banned. Unless they're banned. You know, they're, uh, yeah, if they're, if they're gatekeeping what you should and shouldn't watch on YouTube, you should probably stay away. Um, so, but other, other than that, yeah, it's, you, you gotta, I, I, I think we can bridge the gap. Um, and uh, I, I, I think we can totally have more, more Judith Polgars, but yeah, that that's would be yet awesome. to be seen. What a beast. Um, all right. Last topic. I think Levy, we got to get an update on uh, Lucy's chess game. How's, uh, how's, how's her game? How's your girlfriend's game progressing? Uh, great for the amount of study that, that, uh, Lucy puts into chess, which is virtually none. Um, <laughs> love you. If you're listening, um, she, she's actually, she's progressed quite well. So she, she had an interesting journey. She learned chess, uh, after we started, uh, dating, she didn't play a whole lot. She mostly played 10 minute games per coach's orders. You know, you got to play slow games. Uh, and she learned some openings here and there. We messed around with different openings with white and black, uh, but then, you know, Lu- Lu- Lucy really, she hates losing. Everybody hates losing, right? But uh, she, a few months ago, was like, why am I playing 10-minute games? And they make me even angrier because I spend so much time trying to think and focus, and I either run out of time after I play well, or I, I you know, like I, uh, I run it. Yeah. Or, or like you spend 20 minutes and you blunder your queen or something. Like, why did I even say? So she started playing three-minute chess which is a totally different universe. But she climbed the rank. She was like 600, slowly got to seven, bounced around eight, nine. And I think she went to like 990, just playing on, you know, instinct. And, and I've seen her play some crazy games. And now she's got the latter anxiety where she's like, oh my God, I'm playing the four digit people. <laughs> and like a couple of weeks ago, she beat like a 1050 with two seconds on the clock versus like a minute in like a ladder mate. It was crazy. And she's played like some really good games. Um, but uh, I don't think she's in love with chess to the point that she will diligently study it and try to like go up a hundred points like every every few weeks. But uh, I love watching her games. I like to analyze them with her, and uh, we'll both throw our phone once every week, maybe from you know losing. She'll she'll blunder something. I'll lose a time scramble versus like a twenty four hundred. So and phone gets thrown. I try to always throw it at something soft. I'm gonna yeah. throw my phone. But chess rage is a thing, man. Totally. Yeah, so I'm with you, man. <laughs> it's like, and I don't know, I don't know about you, but I can have a, I, I, I'm at a point in my life where I can have like chess tilt, blitz tilt and like compartmentalize it. You, you know, go through your life, do your work stuff, do your family stuff. And then you set the computer, boom, rage, you know, <laughs> like it's unique in that way. It's, it's the worst. It's, <laughs> oh my God. But it's also the best because we keep coming yeah. back. Yeah, well said. All right, actually, I thought of one more question, Levy. Obviously, you've had a lot of success in the last year. Um, any big purchases, or is it just hundred percent same old, same old? Well, that's a good question. Um, yeah, what is the most expensive thing? Okay, so first of all, you make money, you got to invest money, people. Uh, got to invest money. Don't invest like me. I, I, I go into crypto. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to. I try to. So I have. Um, I have some ETFs. Uh, I have uh, some stocks that I believe in kind of more long-term. I have my meme stocks, my GameStop, my AMC, you know, nice. my, my, uh, yeah, my, my, my pump yeah, and dump or short squeeze stocks. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, big on, you know, some of the cryptos, uh, trying to get a little bit more into like uh, angel investing. So I've, I've tried to, it, for me, the, the hardest thing is I don't know a lot of people. So 
it's really hard to tap into networks of where people are investing, especially like as angels or VCs. But I, I, I tried my best. Uh, I would love to get a card. So I really do want to get like a, a fun convertible BMW. And the problem is I live in New York City and I don't go anywhere. So why am I, why am I going to park a nice BMW on the streets of New York city? I don't even have a garage. Like I'm moving buildings and I don't have, uh, I don't even have a driveway. Yeah. Um, so I like to, I think the most expensive stuff that I've gotten is I've, I've spent money on, uh, on Lucy. So she got like a cool tattoo. Um, I got her, I got her a nice dress and I wanted to get a nice shirt to match it. Um, we got, the most expensive thing we bought was something from Versace and my thing came three sizes too big and I missed the return period. So now I'm going to look like, you know, a monk wearing my, (laughs) so I think, I think think that was the most expensive, but over the past, yeah, over the past year, I mean, investing mostly, I mean, I upgraded my camera. Uh, The next place will be bigger. The next apartment will be bigger, but even then we tried to kind of stay in budget. Uh, Are you still going to have roommates? No, we've no. I've lived with Lucy, and that's it. So we, oh, we okay. have a uh, no roommates. Um, more space might like uh, might try out some classes that are kind of pricey, standard like uh, kickboxing or some of these things. That um, you, you, I'm gonna try to like do more one-on-one stuff, which obviously costs a little bit more, and try to pay more for like organic food just to eat healthier, but. Right. Yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. You might see me in a convertible BMW. That's it. Okay, and no, um, and no thoughts of uh, Gotham Chess leaving New York. Oh, plenty of thoughts, man. But, <laughs> Every New Yorker um, thinks about it. Yeah, very, very conflicted, man. Uh, I did those tax calculators on what I can save <laughs> moving to those states. The good thing is that every time I think about Austin, their power grid fails. So, <laughs> and then they 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 permit you to carry a gun without a permit now. Um, that's the only political sprinkle I'll give you. So I don't know about I don't know about Texas anymore. LA is beautiful. I, I, um, LA, I, I hear amazing things about, and the only bad thing about LA is number one taxes, which you can't scare me with because I'm from New York and number two traffic and I don't drive a lot. So I'm not scared of you, LA, nice. uh, but right. of course then taxes are higher. So yeah. Yeah. Definitely want to leave, uh, New York, but also want to leave the country travel or living. Want to go, want to go, uh, travel somewhere do it up man make the uh make the uh levy mania tour global <laughs> i don't know if i'll go full logan paul and do a big fan meetup in dubai I, i'm not i'm not at that level but hey and in the airport yeah yeah actually I, I did think about that uh but that's still a work in progress but uh it's crazy i i, I gotta tell you it, it is still kind of surreal to to have a person walk up to you in the middle of an airport or on, like in the local park and go, are you Levy? I was like, How is that possible, man? Like that is just so, so I made a tweet recently. I said, you can only take a picture with me if I can pet your dog. If you have a I dog. saw that. So, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And sorry, I keep saying one more question, but how does, how's your family reacted to this? Mm, same old, I gotta say, uh, same old. I've offered to pay for some medical bills and some projects. And I, I also told my family, if we ever travel anywhere, we'll all fly first class. That is that is a purchase I haven't made yet, like you said, but that is one thing I want to promise them. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I'm i not going to lie to the audience. This wasn't like a rags to riches story. I had a relatively decent 
childhood. I had three homes with divorced parents and a grandparents neutral territory in the middle. So it was interesting to go around three houses. Uh, so from that standpoint, but listen, I always had a roof over my head. I had a pretty decent support system. So uh want to give back to the family and get them nice things and maybe some beach house somewhere over the course of time. But they're, uh, they're pretty chill. My grandparents said that I should charge for selfies now as a joke. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't think if you do that. Yes, of course. No, no, I please, uh, do, do offer pictures. It's funny. I offered one person who was really awkward that ran into me a picture and he said, if you want, I was like, come on, man. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, come on, man. Uh, but no, no, I think family is kind of good. chill about all of it, which is good. Cool. All right. Well, Levy, you've been super generous with your time. I know you say you're not busy, but much appreciated nonetheless. Uh, any, anything you want to throw in before uh, we wrap this up? Uh, Train all day. Ben Johnson podcast all night, all day. You know what that is? It's <laughs> Nick Diaz with the intro for Joe Rogan. Yeah, so yeah. You can. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm awesome uh, no, I, Joe Rogan. I, yeah, I know the takes and everything, right? You gotta, <laughs> you gotta get canceled like once every month. Um, <laughs> that was, that was actually uh, hilarious. Joe Rogan talked about the Dewa Keepers thing, but like no names, just kind of very on the top for like a couple of minutes in, in like a random episode he did. So that, that was pretty crazy, but no, uh, I, I love your work and there, there are no chess podcasts and I, uh, want to come on and chat and catch up and hopefully this will be good for my audience. Cause they don't really hear me talk like this for 90 minutes at a time about different parts of my life. And hopefully this is good exposure and they'll start watching a lot of, a lot of your stuff. When are you getting Magnus on? You know, that is a good question. I, I keep checking my phone and the, the messages must be getting lost or something. But um, I think I've said this before. I feel like I, I'm a favorite for it to happen someday, but there, there's no, there's nothing in the works. Uh, you got to gotta like get to the team or the dad, right? You got to get to the Yeah, Henrik. well, I want to interview his dad anyway. I mean, we talk so much chess improvement that I want to I wanna get his story and I think that would be a little easier. So I'll probably probably start that way. Well, this was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks a lot, Levy. Um, I think listeners know where to find you, Twitch, uh, YouTube, Twitter, et cetera. So uh, we, we'll let you go. Thanks, thanks again, man. Thank and, you. Uh, and congrats on your success. Thank you very much. Thanks to everyone who helps make Perpetual Chess possible, most of all to my producer, Matthew Passy. I also would like to thank everyone who helped spread the word about the show. Did you guys know that there's still people who have not heard of the Perpetual Chess Podcast? There's even chess players who have not heard of the Perpetual Chess Podcast. So we need to fix that. And the ways to do that include writing positive reviews on podcast platforms or YouTube comments telling friends, all that stuff makes a difference in helping spread the word about the show. But of course, I most of all want to thank people who provide financial support to the show. Without you all, Perpetual Chess would not be possible. So without further ado, I would like to give thanks to the following people and entities. Chessable.com, David Lazarus of LazmanChess.com, coach of Dave's Young Tigers on Lee Chess, Quality Chess Books, the Capital City Chess Club, the Abysmal Depths of Chess Blog, Adapta Interactive Web Designs and Services, Apprentice Twitch Channel, Anidi Deer, Austin Clough, Benjamin Porteau, Bill Sigler, Kathy Carr, Chad Oliver, the Charlotte Chess Center, the Chess Central's Chess Blog, ChessMood.com, Chris Flanagan, Chris Lott, 
Dan O'Hanlon, Daniel He, Danny Davidson, David Mitchell, David Schreiber. I am Dimitri Snyder. I am Eric Rosen, Eric Tam, Farhan Thawar, Barras Awaf, Gary Foreman, Glenn Downing, Greg Harfst. I am Greg Shahadi, Gregory Gullick, James Holyhead, James Kennedy, Jay Garrison, Jeff Martinson, Jeff Schaefer, Jeremy Nielsen, John Jernigan, John Rockefeller, John MacArthur, Kevin Forsythe, Kevin O'Callaghan, King Cell, The King's Crusher YouTube channel. Lucio Casada Silva, the law offices of Stuart Katz, Matthew Feeney, Michael Can, FM Michael Oblin, Mr. Mike Shahadi, the famous Mr. Dodgy, the Nerd Nays Twitch channel, Grandmaster Peter Prohaska, Peter Sodi, Philip Flummins, the Playmore Chess Academy of the Hamden Chess Club, Reuven Fisher, Ross Crossland, Seattle Chess Club, Shane Unger, Stefan Kelty, Stephen Martinez, Sven Gearson, Thomas Stanix, Thomas Tachenko, Todd Bryan of StrongChess.com, Todd Kennedy, the Vintage Patsers, which is a chess.com improver group, Wayne Bean, William Hogarth, and I also would like to thank Ace Viega, Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adrian Gutierrez, Al Hastings, Alan and Maggie Sue, Alex Pejas, Alexander Markovitz, Antonio Cancino, Antonio K. Leonfort, FM Andre Terakov, Dr. Andrew Perry, Angus McLeod, Barry Hessian, Bill Juniper, Bill Moran, Bill Trammell, Brad and Andy Rosen, Brett Howard, Lynn, Brian, Chase, Brian, Mullis, Bruce Scott, Brian Tillis of Palm Beach Chess, Cameron Davis, Chad Hilton, Chesspatzer, Spain, Dr. Charles Snodgrass, Chris Kiefer, Chris Wainscott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Shabri, Christopher Wood, I am Christoph Zalecki, a.k.a. Chess Explained, Coach J's Chess Academy, Costa Carras, Courtney Fry, Craig Mallon, Daniel Ginsberg, Daniel Naylor, Dave Saylor, David Blaskotschek, David Brown, David Hamblin, David Cramley, Dalen Shelton, Tennis Parrish, FM Donnie Ariel, Dwayne Edmonds, Ed Daly, Ed Mead, Edwin Rodriguez, Ethan Smith, Evan Rosenberg, Ewan Richardson, Ian Mason, Felipe Melo Paria, Fox Valley Chess Club of Aurora, Illinois, Francis Latart Lavoir, Dr. Frank Tortoris, Frank Zananis, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Gautam Narula, Gene Stewart, George Harris, Giovanni Russo, Han Shute, Harish Srinivasan, Howard Vihan, Jacob Kovach, Jason Apollo, Jason Murray, Jacques Perry, James Aspinwall, James Benastio, James Muir, Jason Woolham, Jadeep Chakrabarty, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, Yep Hoyland, Jerry Wells, Jesse Takumos, Jesse McNulty, Jim Ratliff, Joe Dasano, Joe Valdez, Joel Thomas Ramos, John McAdams, John Tully, Juan Almagar, Dr. John Fallon, John Fernandez, John Fontaine, John Hartman, John Jeffrey, John McMurtry, Jonathan Slater, John Quist, John Tully, Jose Rodriguez, Justin Gardner, WGM Jen Shahadi, Joel Rocky, John Thompson, Grandmaster Josh Friedel, I am Kare Christensen, WGM Katarina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, Kevin Pryor, I am Kostya Kravutsky, Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Kyle McAvoy, Larry Cook, Larry Ryforth, Laura Boyovsky, Macaulay Peterson, Maria Emelianovas, aka Photo Chess, Mark Shaves, Mark Fitzpatrick, Mark Miller, Mark Wilkins, Marco Bulatovich, Martin Knudsen, Martin Krug, Matthew Tedesco of SeattleChessMeetup.org, Matthias Plock, the Mechanics Institute Chess Club of San Francisco, Michael Allard, Michael Hudson, Mike Clem, Mitchell Fabian, Nate Gobo, Nate Solon, Neil Bruce, Negmat Malajanov, Nicholas Isabel, Olaf Mueller Michaels, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Cassie Passanen, Paul Blaine, Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, 
Queenside Management Limited of Switzerland, Randall Temple, Ricky Grijalva, Richard Hallenbach, Richard Tucker, Robert Callahan, Robert Titi, Robert Turner, Rory Coleman, Rory Yearwood, Ryan Berg, The Say Chess YouTube Channel and Publishing Empire, Scott McKinnon, Scott Rose, Sean Krauss, Sebastian Finsterwalder, Sergey McCagan, Seth Ruzica, Sean Tracy, Silver Knights in Richmond, Stefan Roller, WGM Tatev Abrahamian, Thomas Brown, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, FM Timothy Wall, Tobiah Rex, Tom Edsel, Tommy Farron, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Vishnu Srikumar, William Brock, William Peterson, FM Zhao Cheng of Chess1000.com, and Jivko Stoyanov. Thanks to you all for the support, and we will catch you all next week. Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.